Locked On Trailblazers, your daily Portland Trailblazers podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Hello and welcome to a August 15th Monday edition of the Locked On Blazers podcast. I'm your host, Eric Garcia-Gunderson. This is a great honor for me to be joined by one of the best Blazers reporters out there, my friend Casey Holdall, uh, taking the time from his summer vacation to join us on Locked On Blazers, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Casey, how are you? I, I'm well, Eric, and I, I, I appreciate the introduction. Uh, I, I'm a, I always tell people, I, I don't like to toot my own horn, but I'm, a, I'm at least a top 10 trailblazer reporter based out of Portland, Oregon. I, at least top 10. I, I would say maybe even top 8, but, uh, but definitely top 10. I, you know, at least you're proud of you know where you stand, and you know it. absolutely. I, I don't think there's anything wrong with a, you know, when you got the goods, you've been in market for a while. I mean, there's a, there's a lot of people working well here, but I'm a, I'm at least one of the ten best covering the Trailblazers who actually lives in Portland. So it's, yeah, there it's, you go. I mean, I, again, I, I'm I try to be a, you know, I, I don't really want to put my my ego out there too much, but at least top ten, top top nine maybe, but definitely top ten. It, it, it's good to it's good to know where you stand mm-hmm. it is. and then know, and to and to know who you are in this lifetime uh and it's been a it's been a not so crazy summer i mean there was some stuff happened with the blazer wise but i mean i guess how, how have you been I, I mean i know it's been a, a little bit more low-key than normal i would say yeah you know it, it's been a little uh it's been a little different uh for me as you know i've worked for the team now for this is my going on my ninth season so you, you kind of, you know, after a certain point, you, you kind of figure out how much work you're supposed to be doing. I mean, the I feel like for, for a lot of us working in sports, our, our assumption is like, well, we're supposed to be working all the time because we work in sports and sports is great and it's fun and, you know, we should be producing things all the time. And, and, and most of us, myself included, try to do that. But as you get on and things, you kind of realize that, you know, you, you try to get more bang for your buck when it comes to to the work you're going to put in during the off season. And, and you know, as you well know, Eric, the NBA season is long and uh, drawn out. So, and a, as it's gone on, there's not as much of an off season as there used to be because there's always some kind of news. So this is really the the point after the schedule is announced in mid August to when training camp starts about mid to late September. This is like the real NBA off season for me. And it'll last about a month. Uh, everything else, you know, you, you're not working obviously the same hours you do during the season, but you always have your eye on Twitter or on the web to make sure that you're not missing some kind of important piece of news that might be going. Obviously free agency this year was, was rather large. A lot of changes with the broadcast this year as well. So that was, that was kind of a, and, and that's also kind of, I wouldn't say changed my off season, but it's definitely given me a little bit more responsibility just because we're, we're a little short on bodies right now in, in terms of, of content. So, um, but it's been a good summer. Uh, it's been cool, which I like because, uh, I'm not really a warm weather guy. So, um, I don't know. It's been okay, Eric. How about you? It's been good. You know, all things considered I'm glad I'm with you on the heat though. Cause last year was just insufferable and, I think it's it's it, this is much better. I know it's been hot the last couple of days, which has been fine, but it hasn't been like like last July when we had I think it was two weeks straight of like ninety five or above or something crazy. 
like, and I was living in a third floor apartment Oof, at the yeah, time. That'll, that'll, that'll yeah. do it. Well, and the thing about the heat in the Northwest that I think some people outside of the Northwest don't understand is that we don't, and my wife and I were actually talking about this yesterday, in Oregon, we don't really have air conditioning. I mean, like, people have air conditioning, but, you know, you go to the Midwest, you go to the East Coast, everyone has air conditioning there because their summers get so hot that it's like, you, you can't live unless you have it. In Oregon, it gets hot, obviously, but... It's not to the level where you feel like, well, we have to have an air conditioner. And usually, you know, you get you get pushed to that point at some point in time. And it's usually somewhere where your you know, your income meets your willingness to be uncomfortable in your home for, you know, two to three weeks a year, which is when we really get a lot of heat. But for the most part, you know, a lot of people don't have forced air. A lot of people don't have, you know, big AC units in the West, Northwest, because, you know, we're, we're more of a cooler climate. So I never really minded all that much. And I agree, Eric. I, I'm one of those people, too. I, I never complain about the rain or very infrequently complain about it. So I can complain about the heat in the summertime because I am not a hot weather mm-hmm. kind of guy. So uh, but I do like to see it getting a little bit warmer just because I know other people like that for myself personally. It doesn't do much for me, but I know other people like hot summers and they like the idea of, you know, we have delineated seasons and that's what we have in Oregon. That's what makes Oregon weather special. So for those people, I'm happy, but yeah, but but we did also have that stretch in August or not in August, but I think it was in April this year where it was like 95 for like a week. I pulled the air conditioner out um, and then proceeded to not use it for the next month and a half because it was so cool. So this is, this is really hot climate talk right now too, by the way, Eric, this is, this is why you come to the lockdown blazers podcast for, uh, for local trailblazers, opinion makers talking about weather. That's good stuff. It's that it's been that kind of summer, uh, for us, but not, not, well, there's actually been stuff that's happened this summer. There was Alan Crabb getting money, Evan Turner getting signed, Festus Azili, Myers Leonard getting money, Mo Harkless getting money. Yeah, it was a get money summer. That's, that's definitely the way to put it. CJ McCollum, uh, who just, uh, called some people out on Twitter, uh, who who are trying to, trying to knock him for his manis and pedicures. Flex, yeah. Yeah, trying to flex, and then the, you you don't flex on a guy that gets no. that got a hundred and six million dollar contract. That's just a, a word to the wise out there. But um, well, not that what too. You, but by the way, keep your nails okay. right, folks. I mean, like, yeah. what's I, I don't understand why uh, you know we 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 should have reached a point in our uh, our growth as as humans and as a society and as a culture where you know. No one, no one ever thinks it odd that women get their nails done. Men got, we got the same exact thing going on, man. You sh- your nails should look nice. I would get my nails done all the time if, if, if I did a job wherein I was having my nails look crappy. Same with feet too. People don't realize yeah. NBA players have grotesque feet, disgusting mm-hmm. feet. And if yeah. there's anyone who should be getting pedicures, it is professional athletes, especially ultra rich professional athletes, because their feet look disgusting because they work out and sweat and put their feet through hell. So yeah, you you all should be get on get on a get on CJ's level when it comes to nail care. It's important. Yeah, it's normal. I was watching the new Action Bronson show where he watches Ancient Aliens with his friends, and he got a pedicure during that. And so, you know, it's normal. Just get with it, folks. Pedicures are nice, too. I mean, I've, I've gotten a couple, and it's yeah. you know, it's just a nice – I mean, you, you sit there with someone, and you talk, and, you know, it's like you know, it's like going and getting your haircut. It's like being at the barbershop. I mean, we as, as white dudes, we don't have the same, like, barbershop culture, I feel like, but, I mean, it's the same idea where, like – you know, you go somewhere, there are people you know, you talk, you you get kind yeah. of a, a mundane grooming Community thing knocked aspect. out. Yeah, yeah, it's, yeah. I, 
I, I'm I'm very pro nail care. My only complaint is you gotta you gotta make sure you go to the right places though, because there are some dirty ass nail places out there, and you can get a you can get a gross infection if you're messing with some of those off brand nail places. So so if you're gonna yeah, go I, someplace, make sure you have a, at least a few people that have gone there before you, or else you're gonna come out with like green nails and stuff like that, and that's that's no good. No, you don't want your nails to look like the pool in Rio. No. Which, that's um, crazy too, by the way. It's like that. I, oh I, I mean, like they keep trying to make excuses for it, and I understand where they're coming from. But it's like, dog. Like I, I've been going to pools my entire life. I ain't never seen a, a green pool before. Like this, wh- whoever's in charge of this should be able to get this nailed down by now. And and, and coming from someone, I cleaned pools when I was a, a young lad in, in Dundee, Oregon. And it is, it's not easy. But I mean, like they should be pros, right? They should be. I mean, this. They, I don't know who these who they've outsourced it to because you know they have a bunch of companies that they outsource it to. How are they not getting like the pros of pros of cleaning pools yeah. for this two week stretch? Like, fly them out to Rio, get them in there, and make sure the pool is clean and filled with chlorine. There's probably Come someone on. getting mad chlorine kickbacks on this too. Like, all the money that was supposed to go to chlorine is probably going to build some guy's you know sex jacuzzi somewhere in in Rio. So right, and the chlorine has disappeared and gone to that guy's jacuzzi. Exactly. Yeah. yeah they're yeah, they're so. going to be selling Rio chlorine, you know, out of the back of trucks for the next twenty years. Yeah. Uh, it's gonna yeah, it's gonna be like that scene in City of God when they stop the 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 gas truck and then everyone gets on and, and steals the gas. But uh, well, there was Blazer stuff that we're gonna talk about too. Um, I guess what was your impression of the summer in general uh, with with everything that they did? Uh, how, how do you think that you know this team might? Do you think they're going to perform better just being together again for the same season, for another season, mostly the same group? Do you think they're going to do a little bit better? Because I feel like there's also a lot of talk of of regression, that the Blazers aren't going to do as well this coming season. And I just wanted to get your take as someone who's been with the team for so long, what you think the you know cohesion is going to bring in terms of value for for the upcoming season. Sure. Well, well, first off, I would say one. I do think they got better talent wise, so I think there is going to be an improvement there. And and I kind of along the lines, I think what you're talking about, Eric. I mean, I don't think it's like a crazy dramatic addition of talent, but I think they they have more talent than they had last year. So in that regard, I think they improve a bit. As far as the kind of the organic growth that I feel like is, as maybe Neil Shea puts it from time to time, I mean, I, I think there is something there because, one, they are young players. Two, Terry Stotts and his staff have shown a, a pretty solid track record at this point of of improving players and, and getting them into a system and kind of getting them up to speed and, and improving where they're at. I think that CJ is going to be better this year. Um, I think that Damian might be a bit better this year. I wouldn't be surprised at all if he kind of stayed the same because he's obviously great. Um, but there are guys, you know, like Alan Crabb, who you would expect to be better, or you would hope would, at least now that they're getting that kind of money. Uh, same with a guy like Mason Plumley. Uh, and, you know, the fact that it is a young roster, uh, Mo Harkless as well as a guy I would throw in there, I think that there is something to be said about growing and, and getting better. I, I do think from a win-loss perspective, there might be some regression because I, I think that, well, one, they were incredibly healthy last year, and I feel like that's something that doesn't get talked about enough is that besides Damian missing whatever it was, seven games of plantar fasciitis and mm-hmm. CJ, I think, missing three or four games, and then obviously Myers you know, missing the last 20 games of the season with his shoulder, I mean, that's a pretty light season in terms of of injuries and you know we've seen obviously throughout the years in portland that you know you'll have some years where you where you pretty much duck all injuries as the blazers did i think well i think the year that they went that they beat houston the first time to get to the second round i think that might have been the year where they they lost some ridiculous 
few number of games to injuries. And last year was the same too. I mean, very few significant injuries that kept guys out uh, for very long. So I think those those are the kind of things when I think about regression and you know maybe they're not going to hit the highs of the hit last year. The, it, it's really for me more about injuries because I do think they are going to get better and the rest of the competition too. Because as we all know, obviously the bottom of the Western Conference was not what it typically is. Now that's not to say it's going to be the same next year because I mean obviously there are some teams in the West that they got worse Oklahoma City being kind of the, the obvious one uh, so you assume that maybe the the competition towards the that lower part of the Western Conference isn't going to be as as kind of breakneck as it has been in seasons past but it's always a bit hard to tell so I mean I, I do think they're they are going to improve I think you're going to see a better team hopefully defensively next year at least um, I'm not expecting like a huge jump or anything but I'm not really expecting regression either so I can understand it seeing as kind of how how low people thought the Blazers were going to be last year so I think when when you assume a team's going to be one of the worst in the NBA and then they're not I think it's kind of natural as a way to kind of you know, support your original thesis to say that these guys are going to regress because so much saying it's like, no, they weren't the team that, that you thought they were. They really were the team that I thought they were. It's just they got lucky last year, which, you know, is not a that's not necessarily a bad take either. I mean, those things do happen. Um, but I, I would expect some improvement. I just don't know if it's going to be a level of improvement that's going to get you to that next step in the Western conference. In fact, next year I felt pretty comfortable saying that it's probably not going to be that next step because that next step in the West now is so high that, I mean, you can't just, you can't just get better organically to, you know, compete with the golden States of the NBA. You know, that's, that's raw talent addition that the Blazers are going to need to make at some point in time in the next two, three years, if they do really want to make that jump, unless someone just, becomes so much better than we expect that you know they kind of fill that role yeah i i kind of have a i have a theory that i've been working with i agree with that that i think they need to make one big talent addition or one of their guys on the team has to make some kind of unprecedented jump that we're just not expecting uh but i you know i have a theory that like you know there's going to be a time in either the next two to three years where Damian Lillard's going to become the best point guard in the NBA. Mm. Like, there, there's going to be, like, a very short window where he's going to be the best point guard in the NBA because Westbrook is, you know, he's really great, but he's getting older. Steph Curry, really great. He's also getting older. And who knows what, you know, if he's, he's going to hold up with injuries. He might not be the same in three years. And there's got to be a time where you take advantage of that brief window where Damian really is, you know – top two top maybe even the best point guard in the league because I think there's a chance that that happens and I think they do have to make that acquisition I don't know necessarily who that's going to be because outside of CJ McCollum I'm not sure that that player exists on the roster Mm -hmm. like I think CJ McCollum is really really good I think he's going to continue to get 20 a game and be a super efficient scorer and creator but I'm it's got. I don't know if it's going to be like Alan Crabb is getting a lot of money, but he's got to get better at creating for other people, or else he's not going to get there. And the only big guy on the team now, this is going to be that everyone. Is, I know where you're going with this, and I agree, yeah. I, I, I agree with you before you say it, but I, go ahead and say it. It's, it's Myers. Yeah, it's Myers. It's Myers. Myers, Myers Leonard. Like the, he's he has the he has the the, the skills like separately, not all together into one package, but he has like all of the skills that you would want to be like that big man that takes on 
the Townses of the world, the Cousinses of the world, you know, the, those guys that are so next level. Like, he, he's the Anthony Davis. Like, the, he's the only guy on this roster that has, like, a chance, I think, of helping Portland get to that next level. And I don't know if he's going to get there, but I think the fact that they signed him for four years, they have him at $10 million a year. So even if he does get better, you get him at a way below market value if he does really get that that much better. I mean, you looked at, like, Miles Plumley got a ton of money this summer, and it's like I, I would have Myers over him. And, yeah. and so uh, I guess I know he had the shoulder injury. Do you see – uh, I know that Mason Plumley was so solid, but I feel like if you're the Blazers, I feel like you have to hope that eventually Myers Leonard becomes a starter and Plumley either moves on or goes to a bench role. Yeah, I, I think uh, your your kind of your your main thesis that the if there's someone on the roster who's going to make that next step talent wise that is going to put the Blazers in that kind of legitimate conversation about winning a championship is Myers. And I, I completely agree. And, you know, I, I think that when they did sign all those contracts this summer, at some point, I mean, something's going to have to give eventually, you know, I mean, Paul, Paul Allen has shown that he's willing to pay what it takes to get, you know, to the highest levels. But I mean, once you start getting into that repeater tax, I mean, like even for the ultra wealthy, that's, mm-hmm. that's a lot of money. So, I mean, there, there's going to have to be some kind of, thinning of the roster at some point in time and I, I don't think it's yet and I don't necessarily think it'll even be this season but at some point in time that's going to happen and I think one of those scenarios and I think probably a best case scenario for the Blazers it, it, at least in terms of if they're going to to get to that championship caliber and if you assume that it's not because they're going to add someone who's not currently on the roster then it needs to be a guy like Myers because he does have the tools to to kind of at the position to that you don't really have a whole lot of dynamic play at right now to get to that next level. Now, as agreed, Eric, I don't know if that's going to happen. Um, I mean, I, I think we're, we're reaching the point with Myers where if it doesn't happen the next season or two, you kind of maybe start to, to assume that it's not going to happen. I, I do think that, you know, now with a contract and hopefully getting healthy, that that this will be a big season for him if those things are going to happen. And if not, you know, then then I think they they look to to kind of bring in some more talent there. And I just wanted to circle back to what you said about Damian, though, because I, I agree not so much necessarily that Damian might be the best point guard at some point in time, but just the notion that a team like Portland has to it, for them to win a championship, it's not going to be the we're going to have a four or five year stretch of championship caliber play like you like you would see with the Spurs or, or the Warriors or, you know, the Heat when they had LeBron. It's going to be more of a lightning in the ball thing. It's going to be like mm-hmm. when, the, when the Mavs won the championship, um, which I, I think no no small kind of coincidence there that, that Terry Stotts is obviously the coach of this team and, and was an assistant coach on, on that Mavericks team. You know, it's going to be a situation where the Blazers are going to have to be in a situation that – you know, timing lines up just right for them. And that's why, and when you view the moves they made this summer kind of through that lens, I think for people who, who maybe kind of scratching their head a bit about what direction they were going, I, I think that's maybe how you kind of understand and internalize the idea of giving, you know, so many guys that much money. It's the idea that, look, like we're going, 
we need to keep these guys and have them as assets and hopefully they build in something if not hopefully they have some kind of value but we can't bank on the idea that we're going to sign someone and become a championship caliber team it's like we're going to have to do it a different way and it's going to have to be a situation where you know another team is maybe going to have to have an injury or you know like golden state is going to have to maybe peak and then you know in that valley where other teams are kind of having an opportunity to to reach that level to maybe knock them off or, or whoever that that kind of big team in the west might be you know that's when they're going to have to make their move and and i think that when you look at you know signing all those contracts to guys who are good players but are maybe not the players you're used to seeing take up you know that percentage of your cap they make those moves because they know that at some point they're going to have to have those options available to maybe make that big move as you know that that's kind of the the deal with with the clippers and, and getting chris paul and obviously when when neil shea was there it wasn't so much you know that they were building steadily to something and then they got chris paul it's like they had a lot of assets a opportunity afforded the franchise basically and they were able to make a move that that changed the course of their franchise because they had those players available i'm not saying necessarily the blazers are are banking on another player forcing their way out of a town and saying i'm only going to play in portland oregon because that's not going to happen but i mean just the idea that for a team like the Portland Trailblazers to win a championship in 2016, 17, 18, 19, it's going to have to be a situation where they they hit it just the right time and and have just the right assets to either make a deal or have guys that are playing so well that you know they have value for other teams. Uh, that's how the Blazers, I think, build to a championship um, because you know as we've seen over and over and over again, it's it's not going to be because of free agent acquisitions, which seems to be the more kind of unless you the long term building through the draft, which even then. That's I mean, not I a guess, real. That's not I, a real I guess, scenario. I guess. I mean, you, you, it's hard to say it's not a real scenario because you do look at Golden State. You know, they drafted Curry, they drafted Clay Thompson, they drafted Draymond Green. So, I mean, they they were able to do it there. But again, that was like a very. I mean, if if Steph Curry's ankles aren't ultra brutal his first couple seasons and he doesn't sign, you know, a ridiculously under market value contract, you know, do they get to where they're at now? Probably not. So again, it's like for for teams that aren't going to be destinations, you have to. There has to be a little bit of luck that happens to you. And I think what the Blazers are doing are trying to put themselves in a position where they might have some luck at some point down the road. Yeah, uh, I I agree 100%. They got to shoot for a small window here. They got like, you know, a couple years. They got like four four or five years to play with, you know, to hope that it's one of those years. Mm -hmm. And and I think that's kind of where they are as a a team and their hopes. And, you know, they have CJ and Dame under contract for that long. Uh, for, for five more years. So uh, I think that's kind of what they're banking on. And uh, they just have to hope that it hits. And uh, yeah, I, I agree with the, the, you know, the accumulating of assets thing that they did this year. Like was Evan Turner, the most ideal signing? No, but they had to get someone with their cap space and cap space doesn't help you trade for players anymore. Like it does it like you can accumulate enough assets to the point where you can trade enough salary to get someone who's really good if that actual scenario, you know, presents itself. And, uh, you know, yeah, I, I think the Blazers are a really interesting team. I think they're going to be a playoff team for a few years. I don't think I don't see them like falling out of the playoffs. Uh, but the West is going to be tougher. I don't expect every team in the West to be, you know, decimated by injuries like they were this past year. You know, Utah. New Orleans, mm-hmm. 
Memphis, all those teams. Although I don't, I'm not really sold on Memphis being that good, even. If- yeah, me neither. But I, I got in, not into an argument. But I was talking with someone the other day, and they were saying, "Well, the Blazers aren't going to be better than Memphis this year." I was like, "Look at look at Memphis's roster, and show me a guy who's like on the come up on Memphis's roster." There, everyone is on the wrong side of thirty on that team. They're still got talent. Yeah, but like that's when people like kind of throw the, the Grizzlies in your face, be like, "Well, they're not as good as the Grizzlies." It's like, have you have you watched the Grizzlies in the last couple of years? Like, they're Tony Allen's like thirty five now. Zebo is like thirty five. I love these guys, but I mean, you know. Yeah, Marcus. All the times undefeated. Marcus Marcus Gasol's coming off a foot injury. Yeah, bro- yeah. yeah, broken foot, and he's a big dude, and he's on the wrong side of thirty, as you mentioned. Like, and Chandler Parsons. Like, I know Portland wanted him, but like. That guy has some messed up knees. Yeah, and like, I mean, I, and again, you know, if if the Blazers would have gotten him, I think that would have been good for them. But I mean, it's not like that. That's not a uh, a signing without peril, you know. Right. It's, it's a risk you got to take. I, yeah. And I guess if you're Memphis, you got to take that risk. Just like if Portland was trying to go after him, oh, a, a risk they yeah. had to take. And because again, Memphis and Portland are both not in great positions to sign. You know, your typical marquee ace free agents that you just know when they sign him, you know, it's a home run. And so. Uh, no, I, I, I think the, the Blazers have put themselves in a good position. I think they've had a very interesting summer. And like you said, they're probably going to have to thin the roster out at some point. This year, they're lucky that they're going to miss the luxury tax. They're not going to pay it this year. But in the next year, when McCollum's extension kicks in, then they're going to be in that territory. Yeah. And they'll still have another half a season mm-hmm. before they have to trade anybody at the deadline or whatever. So they have at least a year and a half to play with before they have to start, you know, so they can see – if Myers Leonard is actually going to make this is going to start to make this leap, if if guys like that are really going to continue to grow, so yeah, um, and I, I would say too, real quick yeah. that I mean, obviously they don't want to go into luxury tax. I could see them being sad or being willing to go into luxury tax at least for one year. It's that repeater that that's when it really starts to hit you. Now, granted, I think to to your point though, Eric, that's a year and a half away, so they'll probably know what they need to know in a year and a half to make those decisions. But if for some reason they didn't mm-hmm. like someone gets hurt or something into, like that. Yeah, yeah. I could see them going to the tax for one year, paying the tax. And then after that, then making the definitive decision, here's who goes, here's who stays. Here's how good we are. Realistically, we do have a chance to really push and make something happen. We don't have a chance. Let's be honest about it. Let's, let's not play four times the luxury tax to whatever teams uh, to do that. So yeah, I think they, they do have a little bit of time there and maybe a little bit longer if if you assume that they would be willing to go into the tax at least once, but yes, I, I agree, Eric. By then, I would expect the team to at least look look significantly differently than it does now. Right? Yeah, exactly. So you you basically just said they have two seasons, basically at the very yeah. least, if they want if they want to dip in the tax because the one time tax, like you said, that's probably not as big of a deal for Paul Allen as the repeater tax would be when nobody wants to pay that. And so, um, I want one question. Something that went viral this week off of the – I think we, 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 we satisfied enough of the this year Blazer talk. I okay. saw that Channing Fry uh, was knocking the Blazers spread. Uh, I guess – can you speak to uh, – I, I guess I saw I saw you quoted in the Willamette Week. It seems like they, the Blazers have made some changes since Channing Fry's days. Yeah. Uh, which we, we also, by the way, were like post-recession – yeah, <laughs> like like immediate, immediately after the recession, but it seems like they've made some changes in their breakfast because he was really excited about the breakfast burritos with the Cleveland Cavaliers and uh, said that none of his teams before, which includes Portland, of course. 
Yes. Yeah. I mean, I one. It, it's been like a, it's been what like five years now since Shining was in Portland. Uh-huh. So it's been some time. Um, but even back then, like I, they used to allow nobodies like me to to eat at the practice facility. Uh, you know, when we were down there working from time to time, uh, covering practices. Um, they don't do that anymore. And one of the reasons why is because Neil O'Shea, one of one of Neil O'Shea's biggest things is is players first. You know, and making sure that. At least, you know, from from his perspective, and really from the organization's perspective as well. But I mean, it's it's particularly noticeable, obviously, on the basketball side, that you know all luxuries that we could possibly give to players to make this the best destination that we can possibly make it, we are going to do. So, I mean, from the practice facility remodel to, I mean, the spread. I mean, they have every single day at the practice facility, particularly during the season, I think even a lot of times during the off-season, they have a full catered meal. And when I say catered, not as in they bring in catered food, there are people here actually cooking the food. So omelet bar, waffle bar, uh, breakfast burritos, layouts of fruit, any kind of any kind of breakfast food you want, you know, turkey, sandwiches, I mean, pasta, a ton of pasta, actually fish, Entrees. I mean, like the whole the whole gamut. No, and the, I don't get to eat that stuff anymore. But I know our PR guys do get to eat it. And as you know, Eric, they come in, <laughs> they go and sit in their offices back in the media room, and you know they have these full plates of delicious looking food while we're sitting back there, you know, with a bottle of water and trying to eat the almonds we got from the night before from the game. A couple so, of kind bar, um, a couple of kind bars from the snack tray. Yeah, as far as as far as the way that players are treated. As far as an organization goes, I, I mean, Portland is, is right up there. And Chris Kamen, a guy who, one, always speaks his mind, and two, is never going to defend an organization basically at all, has, has said numerous occasions that, that Portland – you know, treats their athletes the best. And I think that's – you know, and that speaks to that, the notion of, hey, we, we don't have a whole lot of kind of selling points for – for the people who are good in NBA basketball now. So like we, whatever small things we can do to make this, you know, first class organization, which is what they, they talk about a lot. They, they, they spare that expense. So I don't know what they pay for a year for food at the PF, but I'm guessing it is a non insignificant. I mean, it's, it's a large amount of money. Like I'm, I mean, I don't even want to ballpark it because I'll get a phone call from somebody, but it's, they, they take care of those guys. Let's put it that way. And I mean, anyway, and, and again, and part of that too is they don't let guys like me back there anymore. You know, like that—that's kind of part of it. Is like, yeah, you know, we could we could give this food to Casey, or we could just throw it out and in, increase the exclusivity, I guess, or the the notion of uh, elegance and luxury that that the players have. So, yeah, they're uh, they're getting squared away pretty well. And I, I don't know what it was like in in. Uh, in Phoenix, which I, where I think Channing went directly after Portland. Robert, Sar- but, uh, Robert I, Sarver doesn't seem like a guy who's going to splurge yeah, a lot. Rob Sarver was definitely, I mean, they, they were on hard times there for a minute too. So yeah, you, to, to your point, I, I guess I could see that a little bit. And, and again, you know, maybe they didn't, they didn't think about it as much. And that's something, you know, nutrition and, and just kind of the way that you have players approach nutrition and meals has changed a lot since I've started working for teams. I mean, like it used to be, you know, you'd see, you'd see guys getting on the plane, you know, with bagfuls of McDonald's all the time. And that still happens. But like now it's, there's a, even, even from when I started working for the team. So I, I traveled with the team, the, the meals that they have, that they give us on the plane have changed considerably from 
kind of more the traditional comfort food to more I mean there's still that there but a lot of it is you can tell they're they're trying to give them the healthiest options available not only giving them the healthiest options but not giving them the unhealthy options so uh it's something that they do consider a lot more than they ever have before so um Portland's right up there Channing next time you're in town uh ask someone to bring you something from the PF it'll it'll be good uh, one more question that might get you a phone call, and you can not answer it or not. Uh, but are are the Blazers close? You talked about the broadcasting. Are they close to get a color uh, analyst for the uh, TV side? Uh, I have heard that they are they are very close. Yes. Okay. Any any hints? Boy. It's someone people will you at least know this okay. person. Okay. All right. Yeah, it, it's not someone who is who you've never heard of before. Let's put it Okay, that so way. it's not going to be some guy who like who who is this dude? Like no no one's going to be doing that. No. Okay. You, people people around here should know this person. Okay. All right. Well, you got we, we got inside info over here from Casey Holdall on the Locked On Blazers podcast. If my information is still correct, by the way, you know I know that you know a lot of times these situations are fluid. But my understanding is that they are very close. They have someone in mind, and I'm I'm fairly certain it's going to be that person. Okay, but okay. again, I, I don't want to get too far over the skis, and uh, I don't no. know. I don't mind. I mean, that's thing. People don't get too mad when I say things out of turn. I, I try to limit it as much as I possibly can. Um, You've also been there I mean, for a the while, season, though. Come on, I mean, yeah, come on. exactly. Well, <laughs> hey, being here for a while doesn't mean you're not going to get clipped. I mean, I, I think you know we kind of saw that already. Yeah, so, yeah. Uh, well, don't get don't don't is, get fired. I, I I don't think I'm going to no, get fired. No. I, I I I think I was vague enough, but I think I think people will be happy. With okay. It. All right. Well, uh, Casey. Uh, I know it's been a, a it's your lighter season at this at this time, but uh, tell the folks where they can find you on Twitter. I know you have you and Joe Freeman have a great podcast, uh, so just let the folks know where they can find you and, and your stuff. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, we do have a what I would say again is a top ten Trailblazer podcast, one of the ten best Trailblazer podcast nationally. Even I'll even open that one up nationally. We are one of the top ten. Trailblazers podcast in the world, actually in, in, in the, the world, world. Um, and you can you can find that on SoundCloud. Uh, it's also on uh, it's Rip City Report on actually it's on my SoundCloud page at SoundCloud slash Casey Holdall iTunes. It's on as the Rip City Report. Uh, it's on Stitcher, which is something I don't actually really even know what it is. So uh, go to Stitcher and I search Rip City Report. I suppose uh, you can find all my other stuff uh, at C Hold is where I'm at on Twitter. Uh, there's a lot of garbage on there, so I never really kind of necessarily encourage people to follow me on Twitter. I appreciate it. If you do, but uh, I, I will not take it as an offense if you don't, because uh, I do talk a lot of gibberish on there. Uh, and also on Instagram at Casey Holdall. I am on Snapchat, but I only use it to follow players, basically. So, and literally, I don't know what my Snapchat username is, but it's probably some kind of derivation of Casey Holdall. Um, and yeah, I guess that's about it. Uh, if you see me, uh, holler at me. I like to say hello to people in a in the middle of the street. I, I know. Uh, one last question. I, I know this is. Totally no, no, no. out of I, I got all the time in the world for out, you, out of out of the convention of podcasting. But I know you're a big shoe guy. Any shoe that you loved this summer, if you had to say one shoe that you loved this summer that you got or you want to get, what shoe is it? 
Well, I, I mean, and this is the this is the Homer answer, but uh, I did get a, a pair of the uh, Adidas Damian Lillard two PDX carpets, which again, like I, I kind of hate PDX carpet mm-hmm. stuff, but they did a really nice job with these, uh, and I like any kind of thing that has ice soles on it, and like the that that mint green look, especially with white and, and that light blue, it's kind of a it's a nice color palette, so that, that's enjoyable. Um, let's see though, what what else that's kind of a little something off the radar? I've really tried to cut down on my shoe shopping recently, um, which is kind of dumb because my wife had just picked up her online shopping, so it's not like we're actually saving money. I'm just getting less shoes now. Um, like I put on Twitter though, I, I'm having a hard time getting away from Stan Smith. Like I'm, I, I, I don't like the way that most shoes look with with a uh, with shorts i i just like so like high tops like jordans like for me that's not i, I can't rock that look and i see other people do it and it looks all right i don't know if it's because like i have kind of ankles that are a little thicker maybe or something but like i have a hard time finding shoes that i like to wear with shorts during the summertime so typically like i have like five pairs of stan smiths and like i just kind of rotate those in and out uh the idea is mnd nmds are, are great shoes i love them um they're I feel like they're a little pricey for what they are. I mean, they're 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 boosts, so that obviously is always going to give you that price point. But um, the new ones that are coming out of those, I really like. I don't like the the design or the the colorways of the Pharrell models, but like the way that they've actually structured the shoe is better than this than the one they have now because they put the laces towards the bottom the laces on the on the current mnds are too wide and like they're not really lacing anything mm-hmm. up. It's because it, it's all it's all one piece. Mm-hmm. Um, so those are nice. Let me see. Anything else? Um, Jordans are played out now, so that's a little less. Basically, like, the thing is, so, like, there are so many good runners on the market right now. Um, the Adidas EQTs uh, with Boost, I've been trying to track down a pair of those for a while and uh, haven't been – I mean, I know where they're at. I don't want to pay retail for them. Um, but this is the time now to start looking at the uh, at the shoe websites because this is when a lot of the models start to get marked down before the new ones come on, kind of towards the uh, the Christmas shopping season. So uh, be on the lookout for your deals. Go to Kicks deals too. That's what I always tell people. Don't shoes are like anything else. You know they're so subjective. It's hard for me to say like I like this, so you should get it. Um, but Kicks deals has a ton of great deals on there. Um, which by the way, too, I have players ask me about Kicks deal stuff all the time. I get texts from guys like I'll tweet like retweet something out and they'll text me like hey is this is this website actually uh-huh. legit like can i buy shoes from here i'm like yeah no it's it's just a clearinghouse for other places that sell shoes so yeah feel free so yeah, uh, people also think that like players all get everything for free it's not true they don't get like every shoe they no. want for free they get game shoes and that's about it well they they get game shoes and they do you do typically have a certain amount of credit that you use and that's always one of the things i have have heard is that a lot of times guys don't end up using their credit and it just goes – I mean it just evaporates basically. So like – and I particularly heard this about Adidas guys. Before Adidas kind of got their act together over the last couple of years, I mean they weren't putting out a whole lot of stuff that I think people wanted. So like if you're a player and you've got you know like a $5,000 credit at, at Adidas – you might have had a hard time finding five thousand dollars for the stuff you wanted. So at that point, it's like, well, mm-hmm. whatever. But uh, but yeah, no. That for the most part, I mean, and, and especially kind of your your working class NBA guys. I mean, the guys who have shoe contracts obviously get a lot of stuff for free. But I mean, you know, if you're, you know, if you're a guy like, you know, even an Evan Turner kind of guy. I mean, you're not necessarily they're not throwing mad comps at you or anything. So yeah, you gotta you gotta go out and get it on your own. All right, well, that, folks, that was a Casey Holdall, Trailblazers digital reporter. Uh, podcast host, writer extraordinaire, uh, joining me on the Lockdown Blazers podcast. This has been Eric Garcia Gunderson. You can follow me at Eric underscore Gunderson. I write sometimes at Blazers Edge. 
You can subscribe to this podcast, Locked On Blazers, part of the Locked On Podcast Network on iTunes. We're on Stitcher. We're also now on Google Play. Uh, so, uh, yeah, all, for all you Google Play folks, you can get the RSS feed from audioboom.com, the fine people who host our podcast. And if you like other sports like the NFL, we're developing our NFL network. Uh, and that network is getting a lot of new podcasts. So you should definitely check that out. And we also have the whole NBA covered. So uh, be on the lookout for Locked On podcasts about your favorite teams. And always come back here to Locked On Blazers uh, with me. And we'll catch you later on this week.